Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more. Give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about up-to-the-minute current global events. We'll visit with Larry Reed, president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several books, his latest, No Problem, Great Murder Mystery, located in Washington, D.C. It is May the 2nd, and on this day in 1933, the modern legend of the Loch Ness Monster was born when a sighting made local the newspaper. The newspaper Inverness Courier relates an account of a local couple who claimed to have seen an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface. That was in quotes. The story of the monster, which is a word created by the uh, courier, became a media phenomenon with London newspapers sending correspondents to Scotland in a circus of offering a 20,000-pound sterling reward for capture of the beast. After the April 1933 sighting was reported in the newspaper on May the 2nd, interest steadily grew, especially among another couple claimed to have seen the animal on land. Amateur investigators have for decades kept almost constant vigil, and in the 1960s, several British universities launched sonar expeditions into the lake. Nothing conclusive was found, but in each expedition, the sonar operators detected some of type of large, moving underwater objects. In 1975, another expedition uh, combined solar and underwater photography in Loch Ness. A photo uh, resulted that after enhancement appeared to show what was vaguely resembled a giant flipper of an aquatic animal. Further sonar expeditions in the 80s and 90s resulted in more inconclusive readings. Revelations in 1994 that the famous 1934 photo was a complete hoax had only slightly dampened the enthusiasm of the tourists and investigators for the legendary beasts of Loch Ness. How about a perpetrated hoax? Back in 1933. Well, uh, this day in history... For two uh, tech investors, it's been the worst start uh, for the year in two decades. And with another hike in Federal Reserve interest rates seen next week, they're bracing for more volatility. The NASDAQ 100 index has been hammered this year, wiping out more than $1.8 trillion, that's with a T, dollars in value in April alone amidst a tumultuous earnings season as investors fear economic slowdown and even more aggressive expectations around the Fed's ta- uh, rate hike trajectory. The uh, tech-heavy benchmark has seen a close of at least 2% in either direction on about 47% of the trading days this month, the highest percentage since March 2020, according to data compiled. Uh, the central bank's next decision due on Wednesday is likely to make another uh, roller coaster ride. It's expected to uh, raise interest rates by 50 basis points at the meeting with nearly 200 basis points of further interest rates hikes projected by the end of the year. Higher rates are especially negative for tech stocks that are valued based on future growth expectations. So in other words, it's a discounting factor. 
And while a, a, a hike in the 50 basis point magnitude may be priced in by the market, the decision comes as investors continue to assess a multiple of earnings reports, including some big misses, forecast cuts, and dramatic uh, uh, drama around Elon Musk's buying of Twitter, including his $4 billion sale of Tesla shares uh, this past week. So tumultuous market right now. Futures are up a little bit, but we know what can happen during that to that during the course of the day. The uh, Dow futures are up about 135 as an indicator as we speak. Uh, well, and this is here's a message that we get often, but it's worth repeat, repeating. Berkshire Hathaway CEO Warren Buffett lambasted Wall Street for encouraging speculative behavior in the stock market, effectively turning it into a gambling parlor. Uh, Buffett, who's 91, spoke at length during his annual shareholder meeting Saturday about one of his favorite targets for criticism, investment banks and brokerages. He bemoaned that the large American companies have become poker chips for uh, market speculation. He cited soaring use of call options, saying that brokers make more money from these bets than simple investing. Still, the situation can result in market dislocations, and uh, certainly Buffett's taken advantage of that. He spent an incredible $41 billion on stocks in the first quarter, unleashing his company's cash hoard after an extended lull. Some $7 billion of that went to snap up shares of Occidental, bringing up his stake to more than 14% of the oil producer's shares. That's why markets do crazy things, and occasionally Berkshire gets a chance to do something, Buffett said. And it certainly does. Well, of course, he's, he's a player that uh, usually gets the pot sweetened by futures and all kinds of things, warrants uh, when he makes a big purchase like that. But nevertheless, certainly we've turned the market into a casino, and it's anything but it we should reflect uh, real value. Word to the wise of for good investors. Republican Florida Georgia, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis vowed to fight the Biden administration's proposed disinformation governance board Friday when he said that was an attempt to censor ordinary people and impose narrative control. The Department of Homeland Security uh, announced the formation of a board Wednesday, which will be run by Nina Jankovitz, a self-described disinformation expert who previously attempted to discredit the Hunter Biden laptop story. DeSantis promised to fight the board in a, fight, in a Friday press conference. He said, you cannot have a ministry of truth in this country, and so let's get real here, he said. We're not going to let Biden get away with this one, so we will be fighting back, he said. Critics, including DeSantis, have compared the board of the Ministry of Truth in the novel 1984, an agency that produces government propaganda and decides what citizens are allowed to say and believe. <clears throat> it's exactly what's happening right now. They hope they can pull this off. They now have an idea, and I honestly thought this was a belated April Fool's joke, but they actually are going to create a Department of Homeland Security, a Bureau of Disinformation. It's basically a Ministry of Truth, he said. And when uh, they do this, they want to be able to put out false narratives without people being able to speak out or fight back. They want to be able to say things like Russia collusion and per perpetuate hoaxes, and then have people like us be silenced. They want to be able to advocate for COVID lockdowns. They want to be able to advocate for school closures, things that are not su uh, supported by evidence. But then when you speak out, they want to stifle dissent, he said. And so we reject this bureau of, in the state of Florida. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. The board announced Friday, uh, Wednesday, that it would begin by focusing on Russian disinformation in the lead-up to the midterm elections and information aimed at migrants at the southern border. 
White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said it sounded like an objective of the board is to prevent disinformation and misinformation from traveling around the country during the Thursday press conference, but declined to comment on Jankiewicz's appointment and claiming she had no information about her. Well, we should view it as Hunter Biden's laptop as a true... Now, this is uh, Kankovitz uh, made these comments. We should view it, Hunter, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, as Trump campaign product on ABC News in October 2020 and claimed Republicans had funded the claim that now discredited Steele dossier in a 2017 tweet. Talk about disinformation. Republican Wisconsin Senator Rob Ron Johnson demanded answers from DHS about the board in its Thursday letter, which focused on potential uh, bases for Jankovic uh, could bring in the position, call her a beacon of misinformation online. It's certainly true. Hey, and you know what? Uh, how about this guy, Alejandro Mayorkas? Talk about misinformation and what his testimony to, to uh, Congress was just filled with lies. He says everything's in under control at the border. It's not. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis affirmed his support for an open carry law for firearms, which supporters call constitutional carry, and predicted the Florida legislature will get it done. I can tell you if I'm, it, it's not going to be next week, six months, but I can tell you before I'm done as governor, we will have a signature on that bill, said Republican governor in a press conference on Friday. Uh, momentum is building uh, towards a change in Florida on constitutional carry. In February, speaking at the Mar-a-Lago, former President Donald Trump's private club in Palm Beach, DeSantis told an audience he expected the GOP majority legislature to address the issue in a special session this year. Supporters argue half the country now rightfully recognizes the fundamental right to carry a firearm for self-defense as enshrined in our Constitution, as opposed to a government privilege that citizens must ask permission to exercise, said Jason Oymet, the executive director of the NRA's Institute for Le Legislative Action. Uh, opponents, however, say this, that it's absurd political pandering from the governor of the state that has experienced some of the worst mass shootings in our country's history in a nation where they have the highest rate of gun violence in the world, said Democrat Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, who is the candidate for the party's gubernatorial primary nomination. Uh, it's an insult to the memories and families of every victim of gun violence. We should be passing laws to prevent gun violence and working to fix our st state's affordable housing crisis, not creating chaos. It's, it's uh, score political points. Well, Nikki Freed, you know what? If you're ever in a parking lot or someplace where somebody's pulling a gun on you or trying to assault you, I bet you're going to wish you had a gun. In fact, <clears throat> the first responder for any crime is the victim himself or herself. And I can assure you that some of these school uh, shootings, if the teachers had been armed, uh, this would have been cut short very quickly. So it's not the guns that kill. It's the people who use the guns that kill. And uh, it's a constitutional right. So, Nikki... Just really pleased you're not our governor. Jeff Morrill, uh, formerly the chief corporate affairs officer for Walt Disney Company, announced a decision on Friday to part ways with the entertainment giant after only three months in the role. Now, I wonder why, huh? <laughs> His departure comes in the wake of the Disney highly controversial response to the parental rights and education law in Florida. A response Morrill uh, played a key role in formulating... After three months in the role, it's become clear to me that for a number of reasons, this is not the right fit, he said in a letter to, uh, obtained by CNBC. After talking this over with the Disney uh, CEO, 
Bob Chapik. I've decided to leave the company to pursue other opportunities. I'll bet he has. I bet he got his walking paper. Anyhow, he got thrown under the bus, and let's see what the next chapter is on this. I suspect there may be some negotiation with the state of Florida to see if they can't get back these uh, special really uh, district that uh, has been taken away by legislation. Uh, but the thing is, this affects not just uh, Disneyland but or, or Disney World, but uh, many other, actually five other districts as well. So not easy to overturn. We'll see what this all what happens. Uh, it's such an interesting uh, development. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. 
Among other things, they're providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website vfga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's pick up on Ukraine. We've been talking about for the last several weeks what I thought would be a, a quick sojourn into uh, Ukraine by Russia has turned out to be anything but. What are your thoughts? Well, it looks like, I mean, and the Russians made so many mistakes here, and at this point they're being outfought and outclassed and pretty much pretty soon outgunned. Uh, so you have, a, you know, time is now on the Ukrainian side, as hard as that is to believe, and it's not at all clear what the Russians are going to do about that. Um, so it's not, not at all clear what's going to be. Um, so we'll have to see. But um, the Russians are losing. There's no question about it. The Russians are losing at this point. They have they articulated? Have they articulated what they want, the Russians? Yeah, they want to eliminate Ukraine. No, no, I'm, so I'm not saying I'm not denazify. De- they so want to make it part of Russia. Uh, that's what that's what the Russians want. I mean, well, they have not said they want to eliminate Ukraine. They, they've said something, I'm sure, but they, I know they haven't said that. But, that's it. Pretty close to that. They've said pretty close to that. So um, that's what the you know. <laughs> It is an insane war being, you know, being led at this point by, as far as I'm concerned, by an insane, uh, an insane president of Russia, who unfortunately has nuclear weapons. Yeah, and we have absolutely no idea how, <clears throat> what happens when his latest, you know, attempt at the, um, you know, the attempt at the Nambas region is failing. They are not succeeding. They're not going to have a breakout. And like I said. The Ukrainians are getting arms daily. Uh, the Russians can't produce new arms at this point and having a hard time resupplying. Uh, so I don't really see um, I don't really see how the Russians get out of this at this point. The Ukrainians are suffering. Don't get me wrong. The Ukrainians are dying. Yeah. The Ukrainians are fighting, but um, basically fighting for all the rest of the free world. Um, it's really interesting. One of the interesting things that Congress have done. Um, and I guess the president led it is uh, pr- reapproved lend lease. So we now have uh, lend lease for the Ukrainians like we had during World War II. Huh. And um, what that does is it sort of you know it speeds up the process. You don't have to wait for budgetary and all the other things. That. If, if we have the weapons, we can just give it to them and worry about payment and those things later on. So. So uh, well, listen. The, 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 for once, the federal government, the Biden administration, is doing as good a job as possible at this point in, in orchestrating worldwide response, and the, the U.S. response now is also strong and um, successful. So let's while we're on the topic, let's let's bring up the fact that uh, Nancy Pelosi and her entourage were there yesterday, shaking hands with Zelensky. Uh, do you make any comments on that? No, look, I mean, Nancy Pelosi effectively is the highest-ranking U.S. government official to go uh, because she's number three in the line of succession. Um, Obviously, the Secretary of State and the Secretary of Defense went last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So clearly the United States is making it very clear that it's standing by by Ukraine. No ifs, ands, or buts at this point. 
and I think um, you know all Americans should be joining them at this point and, and understanding that in the same way that Great Britain was fighting Nazi Germany for us until we joined the fight because the Japanese attacked us, um, the Ukrainians are fighting uh, the same sort of evil, frankly. You know, we spent so many years uh, fearing the Russians because it was communism. Well, it turned out it wasn't communism that was that was what we had to fear. It was Russian expansionism that goes back to, you know, Catherine the Great or wherever we want to look at it in history. Yeah. I think it was communism. I think that was what was peddled to us at the time. But uh, you're, you're, I think you're absolutely right. It was expansionism on the part of the Russians. No, very much so. Yeah. And um, look, we need to recognize it as is. We need to understand that the world is a different place at this point. You know, I'm a little bit sorry that we've we're almost to the stage, you know, sometimes where, where politics ends at the uh, at the shore a little bit in terms of Ukraine, finally. It's been a while since we've gotten there in terms of, you know, in terms of American domestic politics, um, at least amongst most most of Congress and most senators in Congress. And we have a few that are, are taking an odd position, like Ron Paul, for instance. It's kind of um, interesting that but, I, apparently both uh, uh, Zelensky and Putin have agreed to attend the uh, the uh, G20 meeting in, uh, I guess it's going to be in November if uh, in Bali, if I'm not mistaken. In Indonesia, right. So we'll see what happens. I don't believe anyone's going to be willing to attend a meeting with Putin when it's all said and done. Hmm. Uh, listen, Putin's a war crime, war criminal, on every everywhere you look at it, and it's going to be very hard to, you know, put Humpty Dumpty back in its place. We can hope that he'll be deposed by November. What can I say? Yeah. Um, we we just don't know. We don't we don't understand the inner workings of the Kremlin the way we would hope to. The U.S. government obviously has fantastic tactical intelligence on the Russians. Mm. I mean, to the extent that they've been able to, A, uh, tell the Ukrainians when there's going to be a missile strike and to move planes out of the way so that their planes don't get attacked. And, you know, I don't know whether it's the Ukrainians or the Americans or who's doing it, but the ability to target Russian generals is outstanding. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe at this point, 10 Russian generals have been killed. Hmm. And we believe, and no one knows for sure, that the um, the, the, the supreme commander of the, of the Russian army was wounded yesterday because he went to visit the battlefield and a general he was with was killed, and it seems like he was wounded. That only came from fantastic uh, intelligence and the ability of the Ukrainians to act on that intelligence. That is really interesting. There's also something else taking place is there have been at least 20 explosions or major fires inside Russia in areas that are being supportive of the, directly supporting the Ukrainian invasion. Hmm. So no one's taking credit for that, but, you know, I just don't think things can, you know, um, combust spontaneously in what's been, you know, to the extent that they've been going on. One or two mistakes, you know, maybe, but not 20 in the last two weeks. So, Mark, I mean, the uh, we have sanctions now against Russia, uh, the economy of Russia is no bigger than the uh, economy of Texas. And uh, so, I, you know, sooner or later, they got to run out of resources, except, of course, the rubles made a pretty good comeback recently. So how, how's all this working ter- in terms of the finances of Russia? Well, the issue, of course, is the fact that they sell energy. And as long as they can sell energy, they're getting money to finance the war. Their internal economy is falling apart. Their ability to manufacture has come almost to a complete stop because they're having a hard time getting... Uh, getting materials and getting, uh, you know, components. Um, but their actual ability to, to, to finance things 
is helped by the fact that they're getting um, they're getting paid for for oil and gas on a daily basis. Um, it's hurting them absolutely. Is it hurting them enough to, for Putin to say uncle? See, we are in a strange situation because I think if Putin says uncle and I've lost this war, then he's done. Mm-hmm. So he can't afford to do that, and so he keeps on doubling down. And I think the great fear we have is that he'll double down with nuclear or biological weapons at some point. So you, he, he has he has to, is there a way that he can escape the situation without his own personal death or, or demise? Hello, Mark. Are you there? Well, I don't know why this happens. By the way, Mark is in Tel Aviv right now, so every once in a while we lose our phone connection. And I'm very interested in that in that uh, response. So what I'm going to do is we'll take a quick commercial break and hopefully we'll, uh, make a reattachment with, uh, with Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. More of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com, or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with the once lost, now found, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, this morning. Always. 
Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's move on to what's happening. Sweden and Finland uh, making application to NATO. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, those are two countries that have been uh, neutral or attempted to be neutral to a large extent when it came to the you know the Soviet Union and the United States and NATO. You know, they originally talked about the finalization of Ukraine. That was going to be a solution. But the result has been just the opposite, obviously. Finland has decided that it needed to needs to join NATO, and so is Sweden. They both have borders with uh, with Russia, and of course the Finns had a war with Russia just at the beginning of World War II. And um, they both realized that if Putin can do this to Ukraine, he could turn around and do it to either one of them, and they both want to join NATO. Uh, this is a big plus for NATO because it gives them additional strategic leverage, and both NATO, both Finland and and Sweden have reasonably good armies, so it'll be easy to integrate them into into the NATO command. Um, it's a good, you know, it's good for NATO. You know, one thing that Putin, you know, all those people who made up the nonsensical reason, the reason this was taking place was because of NATO. The result has been NATO has gotten stronger thanks to what Putin has done. Mm. So major loss for um, for Putin then. Major loss, major loss for Russia. Um, look, um, from every strategic perspective, this war has been a disaster for the Russians. Um, and, you know, you really have to think, you know, was he that stupid? Did he get such poor intelligence? Um, it's some combination they're in or so self-assured. You know, he believed his own um, his own propaganda. The same way some people in America believe his propaganda. A strong leader, a strong leader will, you know, can do anything. But guess what? Yeah, well, let's hope that let's hope that uh, that China uh, is paying attention to this because, uh, of course, well, the problem looms quick over uh, Taiwan right now. We just hope that uh, they dec- make a decision to uh, just leave hands off right now, for, at least for the next century. Uh, clearly, Taiwan will. Have, I mean, excuse me, China will have learned the lesson that a it's really hard to conquer a country that doesn't want to be conquered in this day and age when. Um, when small, you know, small weapons like the the tank, the anti-tank weapons and everything else can be so very, very effective. And the Taiwanese, of course, are high-tech. Uh, they themselves make a lot of the chips in the world. Um, so China would find itself fighting an, another high-tech kind of army, much more so than, of course, the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainian army only has gotten good in the last five to six years. The Taiwanese... Um, have had 50 years to prepare for an invasion from China. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I think China has realized that this may not be a may not be a plan worth pursuing. And you know, in the meantime, to switch our topics, um, China is in some trouble here with their COVID policies. Yes. Uh, you know, they finished locking down Shanghai, and now they've moved over to to, to locking down parts of uh, parts of Peking, parts of Beijing, and. You know, they made a comment the other day that they have to do this because the medical system would not be capable of dealing with the number of COVID cases that would take place if they did not do this. Now, this brings two points to the matter. Number one, it illuminates a rather stark problem with the with the Chinese medical system. Obviously, it's not capable. I mean, look, the COVID overwhelmed some of the American medical system during its worst moments, but still managed to cope despite mm-hmm. all of the difficulties. Um, so that's number one. Number two, people are not happy. These lockdowns are locking down tens of millions of people. Uh, they're not happy. 
Um, it's creating dissent in the country. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the long-term effect is. And, of course, it is certainly limiting the economic growth right now in China. Yeah, so, I mean, hasn't, hasn't they, they learned anything from the experience in America? I mean, we have uh, certainly a Petri dish here of experiences with regard to lockdowns and no lockdowns, and uh, quite frankly... Well, but if you remember something, America is not a good example because um, America has had an effective vaccine. They don't have an effective vaccine because the Chinese vaccine is not nearly as effective as the, ML, the, the vaccines that were developed by Pfizer and Moderna. So they don't have a good vaccine. Uh, a population that's skeptical even beyond. So it's really hard. You can't compare the two situations. You can't compare a situation where 95% of people 60 and over in the United States have been vaccinated. Um, with China, where we're talking about somewhere in the area of 40% and the vaccine they have is not very good. So what do you do? Yeah, I mean, it's but... Really uh, so you're attributing basically our experiences to an effective vaccine, but uh, I, I think, <laughs> irrespective, I think the lockdowns just haven't provo- uh, uh, proven to be very effective at all, whether people are vaccinated or not. No, I think I think okay, I think you're absolutely wrong in the sense that there is no question that if you lock people in their houses, you will stop a a, a pandemic from spreading. I mean, this is pandemic fighting 101. Now, the cost is very high, and you can talk about all the different costs, you know, social yeah. costs, educational costs, all the different things, and you can make an argument reasonably at some point or maybe at the beginning, but at some ways along the line, it's not worth it, right? The, the, the cure is, more, is worse than the disease, you can, right? That's, that's an argument you can make. Yep. But what you can't say is it doesn't work. There's a lockdown. You lock people in their houses. A disease cannot spread. Okay, fair enough. I, I agree with that. And the point when I was when I made that comment, I was referring to suicides, all kinds of deaths, other. I, that's the cost of the lockdown. And cost. That's a very legitimate argument that one has to make of whether you know the cost of is the cost of a lockdown too high. Yeah, and that's legitimate. That's a discussion that anyone can have, and it's the question on one hand, if you were to say that. For the sake of argument, I'm not saying this is the case, but if you're going to say that 10% of the people who are going to get this, whatever disease, let's say, it's, let's assume it's not COVID, it's some new disease we've never heard of, 10% of the people who are going to get it are going to die, and the oh, and everyone who who is exposed will get the disease. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? So therein lies the problem. Therein lies the challenge. So I don't know what we can learn from you know. The American experience, first of all, is a lot of different experiences, obviously, because right. different states and different localities did many different things. Um, and B, um, again, the only question really here is in terms of the experience is what, what cost? Mark, can and, you... And that's a very, very legitimate discussion that everyone should be having and should be having in advance of, God forbid, the next, you know, if there's another disease and, the, you know, at what point do you do what? These are all important questions. Yeah, well, I, hopefully in, in our next go-round, and I'm sure we'll have one sometime, that there'll be a lot more information made public and a lot less, uh, 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 I'm going to just say, a lack of sunshine on the on the issues that are, that surround this whole thing. And uh, I think right now our, our public health officials have lost credibility and our public health uh, organizations like CDC have lost credibility as a result. Well, I don't know about the sunshine. I think one has to keep in mind one important fact, and of course it's very hard to do that, because when you look backwards, it's easy to know what was wrong or what was right. But in a fast 
developing situation, often the information is wrong, and you make mistakes when you when you're trying to deal with a fast developing situation, and you just don't have all the information, and your best guess is going to be X, Y, and Z, and often it's the wrong guess, and it's a, it's a mistake. Yeah, but if it's and the I guess, think we I need th- to understand that as as part of, part of the cost of doing business is that there's nothing perfect in this in, no, in, in fighting disease of this nature. Well well said, and I, and I agree with that 100%, but when you're guessing, I think you should make that appropriate. We, we don't know what's going on, but we think this will help. This is what we want to do right now. You know, and uh, I think we right. don't... Right, there's a question of messaging. I don't disagree with you. The messaging has to be clear that we don't, ha- that we don't have all the answers. But remember the other side of it, right? A population wants to hear that their government has the answers, and they don't want to be told, we don't know. Well, we, anybody with any experience knows the government doesn't have the answers. So for, with, we'll, 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 Mark, I always have more to talk about than we've got time to do it, and I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. The, the website, again, is HistoryCentral.com. Check it out. A multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, everyone. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up. Larry Reed, he is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted 
in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, his latest book, No Problem. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We're a private, uh, privately funded foundation headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. We work with high school and college students, and our purpose is to educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, small government, and personal character. And we do that through our uh, very vibrant website called Fee. Uh, .org, F-E-E.org, where you'll see daily fresh commentary, uh, news of upcoming events, and also uh, through our seminars that are online and in-person, videos, you name it, we do it. And I must say that uh, it's so inspiring to see young people gathering and celebrating individual freedom and responsibility. They all should, quite frankly. When you think of any kind of teenager, you usually think about kids wanting to be free, but uh, the message is... Uh, Unfortunately, it's kind of muted, and the Foundation for Economic Education certainly helps get it out, and it makes it fun for young people. Fee.org, again, is the website. So, Larry, you wrote a piece that I found just so interesting, The Beloved Big Mouth from Butte. Maybe you could tell us about it. (laughs) Okay. The person I was writing about who came from Butte, Montana, was Martha Ray. Martha Ray was born Margie Reed, no relation, in 1916, but uh, anybody over the age of, I would say, 50 or 60 certainly uh, remembers her as uh, a a fantastic comedian and singer. Uh, She entertained the troops all over the world. Um, It's quite a story. Her parents were vaudeville performers, and they brought uh, young Martha into their show when she was only three years old, and that was the beginning of her entertainment career, which didn't end until her passing uh, many decades later. Yeah, she's just such an interesting... I can remember her on everything from the Milton Berle show to Jimmy Durante. Yuki takes you way back yeah. to uh, Jackie Gleason show. Uh, and uh, she, she was uh, a funny... But she also made fun of herself in the sense that she really had a, what she called a big mouth. <laughs> Yeah, she did. Um, she was a very nice-looking woman, but you could tell that uh, she her mouth was a little bit outsized. Yeah. <laughs> but she cashed in on it and used it to good advantage. There's a, um, a famous story in one of the biographies of her when um, uh, she said, and it was in 1936, she said, go ahead and laugh. It's my face, and I guess I'm stuck with it, but what of it? It got me a contract at Paramount Studios. What has your face done for you lately? (laughs) It's just great. But, you know, I know that you're not uh, writing these stories just to uh, uh, tell about history and and, a really great success story of Martha Ray. She was uh, really a great patriot, wasn't she? Yes, she was. And that, of course, was a primary motivation for her uh, doing so much with the troops. Uh, She was even a national vice president for the POW MIA organization. Um, She loved the country, and she told a Hollywood interviewer in 1984, and this is a direct quote, I believe in the Constitution, strength in national defense, limited government, individual freedom, and personal responsibility. 
They reinforce that the United States is the greatest country in the world, and we can all be eternally grateful to our founding fathers for the beautiful legacy that they left us. Uh, what a wonderful uh, sentiment there that she expressed. Uh, you didn't hear that coming out of uh, Hollywood anymore, do you? Yeah, not very often. <laughs> not very often, indeed. So, uh, again, it, uh, like uh, Bob Hope, just uh, and I'm sure she probably performed with Bob Hope many times over Christmas, but uh, off to the... Uh, to places unknown in order to support the troops, and uh, she certainly did a great, uh, great job. And did she have a big voice or what? A big what? A big voice. Oh yes, she could. Uh, she could shake walls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, uh, whenever she sang. <laughs> and you mentioned Bob Hope. Uh, he said at the time of her death in 1994, at the age of 78, she said, or he said. She was Florence Nightingale, dear Abby, and the only singer who could be heard over artillery fire. <laughs> Indeed. Again, Larry Reed, uh, president. I found that this column is, is it on fee? Uh, no, this one is at the Frontier Institute in Montana on their website. Wow, interesting. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Again, the website is fee, F-E-E, uh, org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. Uh, by the way, uh, last night... Uh, President Trump spoke uh, at, uh, it was in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, near Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, Greenwood, Nebraska, and had one of his rallies. Uh, people were just streaming in, thousands and thousands of people showing up early. It was just amazing. And of course, a typical Trump rally, he just ha came out with his messages. He, among other things, he said the networks and the media are trying to censor us and cancel us, and what Fox is trying to do is to have Trumpism without Trump. I don't know how they're going to play, but they're going to work hard at it, he said. Uh, another uh, line of uh, uh, discussion was the Biden administration's complete abolition of America board is a crime against the citizens of our nation. Uh, he also said, never forget the radical Democrats want to lock you in your home and take away your freedoms while they set loose dangerous criminals without bail and release uh, repeat offenders without charges. And the greatest threat to uh, public health in our Democrat-run cities is not COVID. It's the Democrats' weak-on-crime policies. And uh, our movement is, must continue to pursue populist national economic agenda that puts working families before globalist po politicians and corrupt multinational corporations. And no teacher should ever be allowed to teach transgender to our children without parental consent. We have to save our kids. Uh, just those are just some of the nuggets that came out of uh, Trump's presentation last night. It was fantastic, and you know, I think we should have dialogue. We should reach across the aisle and have conversations about how to make America great again. But only based on the premise that we can all agree on that one thing: we want America to be as great as it could possibly be. That should be the discussion. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people in Congress on the Democrat side. Uh, don't love America and don't want it to be great. Uh, they want something else. And uh, quite frankly, I have no interest in a dialogue with their folks. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely beautiful, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Right now, running is America, uh, another revolution. You can get tickets now by visiting the website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Org. We have this Jim McTagg. Jim is the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's written a series of novels since his retirement. His latest is called No Problem. It's a terrific page-turner, a great murder mystery. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Bob. Um, I'm here contemplating um, Mother's Day. My mother is deceased, but um, I, I have an ulterior motive uh, for watching Mother's Day sales very closely. Mm-hmm. And that's because I think it's a canary in the coal mine for the uh, economy. I think people are more optimistic about the uh, economic outlook, you know, the call for a mild recession sometimes next year, next year. I see a substantial recession maybe by the end of this year. But uh, I was looking at the uh, website of the uh, National Retail Federation and it is predicting that Mother's Day spending will exceed $31.7 billion, up, from, up by $3.6 billion from the record year in 2021. Wow. Uh, I suspect that, that Bomb's bouquet uh, might be less than a dozen roses this year because people are being squeezed by inflation. You know, you see the you see the numbers that that even though wages are up, real earnings are down about four percent, because eight percent inflation is just eating away at, at, at our paychecks. So 
uh, I think investors should keep a very close eye uh, at the uh, National Federation, uh, National Retail Federation site post Mother's Day to see if those sales uh, materialize. So you see a real uh, connection. You you see that as kind of the uh, as you as you mentioned the canary in the coal mine. So if we have a great Mother's Day, is it going to be, for example, uh, perhaps a turnaround in the market and, and the economy? Well, no, I I think it would. Portend maybe uh, you know that spending is still as strong as uh, the GDP numbers that were released about a week ago suggest. Um, but you know that GDP number is is uh, looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, the same day that the GDP number came out, Amazon's numbers came out, and its sales were down. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, I jumped when I saw that. I mean, that, you know, people are buying less. From Amazon online, that's a huge economic news story, uh, and it was played. It was played down, and then we have uh, another factor I'm looking at is that people are so convinced, including Democrats, that that the Democratic Party is going to get trounced in the midterms because of Joe Biden. It sort of gives the Fed carte blanche. Uh, the Fed may have lacked political backbone if it was if it was seen that uh, interest rate hikes would jeopardize the Democrats in the midterm elections. I mean, the, the Fed plays politics, mm-hmm. uh, but but everybody is giving the Fed a blank check. They're saying, you know, the party is doomed regardless of what the Fed does. So Jay Powell can be much more aggressive uh, than one might expect. Hmm. So, uh, so um, you know, we have the runoff in bonds from the Fed portfolio coming off. They're talking about a 50 basis point increase in rates in May. We may have four increases this year. Uh, it takes takes a lot of leverage to bring down 8% inflation, and and that's going to translate into, I think, a, a, a steep recession, a painful recession, not a soft land. Yeah, so that's such an interesting point. And of course, we, we talk about the fact that uh, inflation is affecting the consumer and, and how it's affecting paychecks and so forth, but it also has an impact on uh, corporate earnings as a, as a consequence of that. And uh, it has an impact on uh, for, for the uh, average uh, retail investor. So people are taking warning that we could see uh, a collapse in the market or, or a downturn in the market, which has already been down $1.8 trillion so far yeah, this year. I'm talking about the NASDAQ. Where do you put your money right now? Do you go to 10-year uh, bonds? You know, I think um, you wait for the banks to raise interest rates and you put it in CDs for a while when, when the rates go up a little. Um, hmm. Because, I, you know, I, 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 well, let me step back. I see a meld-up in the market prior to the midterms. You know, you know it's, it's been very volatile now. Uh, prior to the midterms, there'll be a lot of positive headlines about Republicans being good for business. And so that will create some bullishness. So I think I think we're going to have one last chance to to take some profits, and then I would, you know, I would sell into into the buying and and put the put the money in a safe place because I think post election uh, reality will sink in that uh, you know the as good as the Republicans might be for business, they can't change conditions overnight. Uh, we have soaring gasoline prices. 
who knows what's going to happen in Ukraine? That war could widen. There's, there are so many unknowns. So I would, I'm going to play it very safe uh, for in the 2022. You know, uh, you had mentioned that Republicans are good for business, but it seems to me the worm has turned a little bit on this. It used to be that the common man was represented by the Democrats, the blue-collar worker. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that uh, right now the Republican Party under Trump has become uh, the party of the quote-unquote little guy, hasn't it? I mean, uh, you're seeing more and more uh, diverse uh, group coming into the tent with regard to making America great again. Well, I think they came in the tent because the Republicans and Trump was was good for business, you know, and they saw that, you know, the, the blue collar guy, the union guys thrive. You know, when business is good, it's good for everybody. Right. You know, the rising tide uh, lifts all boats. So I don't think I don't think the Republican Party changed uh, its stripes that much. I think it's it's I think the working guy realize that, uh, you know, a, a good business environment is good for him. So, uh, well, I would agree with that. However, I, I, I do, I, I do persist on this point. I don't know if just right now, the Democrats seem to be relying totally on the, uh, the uh, coasts and, and big money, as opposed to, uh, relying on the 10 or $15 contributions coming in from, uh, workers, they still have the unions in their hip pocket. I understand that. But it seems to me that uh, right now, uh, when you take a look at the identity politics or what's happening with regard to politics, I think right now it's it's been pretty much a reversal of what it was 20, 25 years ago. Well, I agree with you that the Democrats have lost its uh, base to uh, much of its base to the Republicans. You know, the union leadership might be in the pocket of the Democratic Party, but the rank and file, as, as we've seen, in past elections is not in the hip pocket of the Democratic Party. Good point. So, so, so it's it's schizophrenic there. So, but I agree with you that the the, the Democrats are adrift. I mean, I mean, their law and order policy has alienated a lot of people. Uh, the chaos at the border. I mean, it's the social issues transcend a lot of uh, these. Uh, Union identifications too. I mean, we have we have uh, chaos in the schools, crime in the streets. Uh, people are fed up, and and you know, advantage Republicans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, a big reveal today is uh, the canary in the coman could be Mother's Day, and also there could be an upturn going into the elections for the markets. Another chance to uh, perhaps get more conservative in your portfolio. Uh, because bad things could happen in terms of recession after the elections. Did I get it right, Jim? Perfect. I need you uh, as my rewrite desk. <laughs> Jim McTague again. Uh, the name of the book, uh, uh, no problem. It's a sequel to uh, Shake the Money Tree and the uh, book before uh, Follow the Leader. Just great reads uh, located in Washington, D.C. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot. It was fun. And uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. If, uh, if that's something you don't like, tell me, bobharden at hotmail.com. We have great guests for tomorrow's show, including Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen and Seton Motley, the founder and president of the West Government, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Hey.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.